In the past, I was in a couple relationships with people who said they loved me, but who then operated in some pretty severe unfaithfulness. And I remember feeling like, I can hear your words saying I love you, but your actions aren't showing it. You know, we hear that God loves us a lot. We sing songs like Jesus loves me, this I know. And sometimes we look at the actions, the events in our lives and say, God, I hear you saying you love me, but how come I'm not seeing it in my situation? Today's guest, L, would say to you that God does, in fact, love you. And the issue isn't God's love, but how we are perceiving the world around us, how we are understanding our situations. And she would say that if we actually come to trust his love, healing can come. So this episode today is for those of you who are wrestling to believe that God loves you, but long for it to be true. Elle brings an encouraging word for all of us because God does love us and that love can heal. You're listening to episode 87 of the Where Did You See God podcast. Father God, I just want to thank you that you are God and you are good. And I just thank you for the freedom and flexibility to press into these conversations, into these spaces. And right now, we just acknowledge that in and of ourselves, there's a limit to where this can go, to how deep it can go, to how powerful it can be. But in your hands, it can be abundantly more than we can ask or imagine. And so we want to give it to you. We just pray that you would guide our words, guide our thoughts, protect us from any directions that we don't need to go and press us into places that you're inviting us into. And in all this, I just pray that you are glorified and honored and I thank you for how you will work. I just pray in his holy name. Amen. Amen. <laughs> All right. So I'm excited to be with Elle. We've never connected before this. We connected through Podmatch. So I know very little about where this conversation is going to go, which is my favorite way to engage it. But Elle, before we jump in, I like to give guests a fun way to share about who they are in a small amount of time. And so I give these random prompts. Okay. And here is your random prompt that popped in my head before we started. Let's say I'm watching YouTube and before the video starts, an ad pops up and it's an ad just about you. <laughs> but here's the thing. You, you got to be quick and concise because you got to capture the viewer because I'm here to watch a different video, not the <laughs> L video. So the L video pops up and it's all about you. What does the L video say? <laughs> oh my gosh, that's talk about putting people on the spot. Okay. <laughs> wow. The L video says, Hey, I'm L Edwards from a place in Wales that you can't pronounce because I've got too many consonants. Uh, and I'm on a mission to help you be you here. You in intentional, expectant relationship with your creator. And I love to make people smile. That's what my ad would say off the top of my head. I, I love <laughs> it. And here's what I love too. There's this rule of thumb where the ad has to play for like at least five seconds. And so you'll notice advertisers will really pack a lot into that five seconds. And I think you did it. I'll check the timing, but you may have <laughs> packed that in. Five. I've heard all about you and now I'm good. <laughs> yeah, but you know why though? It's because I do talk incredibly fast, particularly when I get excited. So try not to excite me too much. Otherwise, <laughs> yeah. depending on people are listening, they might struggle with the accent because this mm -hmm. can go, I can talk very fast, but I will try not to. Love it. Or this could end up being the shortest episode yet. This is true. Or the longest, but it'll be like, poof, it'll be like, yeah, yeah you need a whole week to recover. Well, I'm curious about this name that people can't pronounce. But if you don't want to give your specific location, I'm going to give you two options. Either what is this place in Wales that someone like me can't pronounce because of the consonants or... What is the strangest place that people can't pronounce? In I'm Wales? happy to name the place where I live. It's a town called Llanelli and it's spelled double L-A-N-E-L-L-I. -L -L and it's that double L sound in Welsh makes a sound, which mm. sounds like I'm spitting all over you. Uh, now, I don't speak Welsh. My children do, but I can obviously say Llanelli. The worst or hardest place to say is a place which is the longest in Wales, which I cannot tell you it, but it's Llanviperquin and all this other stuff, and it goes on and on and on. Um, but I live in Llanelli and people in England will say Llanelli. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's a fun, yeah. it's a fun fact. <laughs> I like it. I got to serve with two awesome Norwegian families a couple years ago. And I was trying to learn some Norwegian words 
and they would say it and I would think that I was hearing it. And then I would think that I was saying it and they're like, no, 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 you're not. And I'm like, but I'm saying it exactly like you're like, no, you're not. You're, yeah, you're not. But yeah. you're, you're trying. Yeah. Meanwhile, my daughter, who was like four at the time, says it and they're like, oh, wow, that was amazing. And like they wow. weren't just being sweet. Like she authentically somehow captured yeah. the nuances of the Norwegian language. But so. the kids do that to me all the time because they do speak Welsh and they'll say something and I'll do what you just did and repeat it back. No, mom. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, like I, I can't even give you an example, but honestly, it happens. Yeah. I mean, I gave up learning Welsh when they were, my eldest, who's now 18, was three. She was eating her breakfast. Mum, you just told me to sit on my toast. I was telling her in Welsh, I thought, sit and eat her toast. Mm. Eat, sit on your toast. I'm like, oh, give up. No, yep. but but hey, there you go. It's uh, it's a real pain. <laughs> yep. You know, one thing I was intrigued by is this concept of you ear. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to repeat it again because someone listening might have been like, wait, what did she just say? It's you ear. <laughs> yeah. And you said it right in- as well, because lots of yes. well, people, lots of people on. Are you American or Canadian? I'm American. There you go. Okay. Because, but your accent's a little bit sort of like, I don't know. So I wasn't quite sure. <laughs> and by, by the way, I'm really bad at geography. Just want to say that. So apologies. But lots of people in America really struggle to say Uia. And I discovered it's the R at the end. They tend to go Uia and whatever. Mm. But yeah. But you did it right. Yeah. Uia. Nice. Well, tell me a little more about that. What is that? Well, if you'd have asked me that before this year, I would have told you that Uia is simply about you being you, the person God created you to be. However, March or April this year, the Holy Spirit said, ask me for an acronym. And I said, okay, could I have an acronym, please? And because it's his question, it was a really good answer. Mm-hmm. He said, Yuya is you in intentional, expectant relationship. So yes, it is about you being you, but it's more than that. We do all these quizzes trying to find out who am I? You know, what am I, what's my purpose? And actually he wants us to go to him. Intentional means you can hear from God. Everybody can intentionally choose to have these conversations, have a relationship, expectant, expect an answer, ask a question, and then relationship obviously is relationship. Mm-hmm. So ever since then, it's made it so much more fun because I had a chance now to do conversations like this. And then he had us write a book about it and all the rest of it. So that's what you is now. It's you in that intentional expectant relationship. I love it. And that kind of brings us into one of the things that really intrigued me when I read your profile is this idea of how healing can come about when we learn to accept love, mm. when we learn to accept God's love. And what I love about this acronym, it's you in intentional expectant relationship. At the core of it, it's you in relationship, yeah. right? And and so often, especially in self-help culture, it's about how can I achieve, how can I get? Mm. And being in relationship in and of itself isn't guaranteeing necessarily you're going to get all these things. That oh, yeah. That's not the purpose. The purpose is the relationship or put more broadly and when we're talking about God is, is mm. love. Yeah. That's what we're talking about. So I think I want to just jump right in. You know, when I reached out or when you reached out, whichever one of us reached out, when we connected, <laughs> yeah, I can't remember. <laughs> when we connected and I threw out this idea of the topic of healing and mm-hmm. you were thinking about love, tell me more about where your mind goes when you think about this relationship between healing and love. Okay, so the thing that as you were describing that, the thing that Holy Spirit brought to mind was a actually has been part of my healing journey. And so if I was to meet you when my my children are all older now, they're 14, 16 and 18. But when they were about sort of two, four and six, if you'd have met me then, you probably wouldn't have recognized me. I still had the same face and I still lived Mm. in the same house. I still had the same kids, but I was miserable and angry. And probably if I'd gone to the doctor, I'd been diagnosed with depression. I remember just feeling really like, Ugh. Just really like, ugh. And where this ties into the love piece is I happened to cross a Bible weight loss course. Uh, now, I've always been a curvy girl because food is yummy and all the rest of it. But it, it was a complete God setup because when I did this Bible weight loss course, having prayed the prayer when I was 12, and I, I was scared out of hell when I was 12. There was a very staunch Welsh preacher, Morgan Morgan or William Williams. And do you know where you're going if you die tonight? One of those ones ah, terrified me. Mm-hmm. And so despite growing up in a Christian home, I'd never prayed the prayer, but I did that night. However, It wasn't until, like I say, my mid-20s where I happened upon 
I say a coincidence, a God incident, this Bible weight loss course. And for the first time in my life, I was given this picture of God loving me completely as I am. So within the context of the Bible weight loss course, they're basically saying, eat when you're hungry. If you're tempted to eat like a Mars bar and you're not hungry, ask God to help you. It was the basic premise. I'm kind of paraphrasing it. But for me, it started me on this whole Yuya journey. It started me on this journey. Well, hang on a minute. I've been, basically, I've been trying to be what I thought I should be as the mum and wife and all this expectations I put on myself and I was miserable as a result. It doesn't take people very long from speaking to me to realize that I am a little bit all over the place. Mm -hmm. I'm a little bit like, you know, I embrace the fact that I'm a bit of a weirdo and I used to embrace the fact that I was a weirdo, but then I started trying to be normal and fit in a box. But because of that Bible weight loss course, he took me on this journey. Well, actually, do you know what? If the creator of the universe loves me as I am, maybe it's okay for me to be me. So that was the piece I was reminded of when you were explaining the premise was that piece because when we recognize, I mean, God loves everybody, but we don't always let him love us. And so, but when we recognize just how loved we are and go on that journey, I think it frees us. I fully maintain that a lot of mental health problems would be cured if we could be you yet and let God love us as who we are. You know, I, I'm sure if I'd have gone to the doctors, they'd have stuck me on tablets. Now, I'm not anti-medication. I have people who I love very much who, who need the brain chemistry help. I'm not suggesting that. But I also think that we do stick labels on people far too quickly, where actually if we could just let people be who they're made to be in that relationship with God and let them be loved by him, we would cure so much stuff. Yeah. It's interesting, like we have this idea in our mind of what the ideal person is, mm. you know, what the ideal person looks like, what their ideal traits are, <laughs> how they function. And what's hilarious is we think that is a solid ideal, but it's really only solid within whatever culture. Oh, we're yeah, in, totally. Because different cultures have different ideals. And even each time frames. If you think about like the, right. the weight thing, like 200 years ago, if you were skinny, you were poor and you shouldn't be skinny. You know, use that as an example. Sorry, I interrupted mm -hmm. you. I got excited again. <laughs> no, but I think you're exactly right. Like, because that totally flips it. Because our culture, current time, mm is the complete opposite. But you're right. There was a time where if somebody had more weight, it's like, oh, well, they must be wealthy because they have access to all the food they need mm. and not just normal food, but really good, tasty, <laughs> sugary food. And, yeah. and so when we have these ideals in our mind, we also have this innate desire to not be less than, yeah. to not be worse, mm -hmm. to not be... And we see that playing out in a lot. I mean, when you think of classism or racism or any kind of these isms, mm -hmm. a lot of times they come from a place of we don't want to be the lowest. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, some people want to be the best. There are a lot of people that don't necessarily need to be the best, but none of us want to be the least of these. Yeah. And so we'll spend so much of our time and effort mm -hmm. trying to correct, trying to fix, trying to mold. Meanwhile, there's a God who created us. And what I love about your story is as you were sharing it, what it brought to my mind is just the wisdom of Jesus, who so often somebody would come to him for some physical need. And kind of like you were looking at this weight loss program, you're like, the thing that needs to happen is I need to lose weight. <laughs> and God's looking at you like, no, actually, I want to do abundantly more than you can ask or imagine. And Jesus so often would be approached mm -hmm. and they would just want to be fixed. And he's like, I want to make you whole. Yeah. Like I want sure, I'll also heal your arm. Yeah. Sure. But I'm trying to do something yeah, abundantly yeah, more. So true. And it's just such a beautiful thing. So, let me ask you this question. You know, love is a very misused and misunderstood word. Mm -hmm. So, when you say love, when you say accept God's love, mm -hmm. what are you talking about? Is it just a feeling? Is it a state <laughs> of mind? Like what is this love thing? Okay, so I think because love is so intangible in one sense, I think for me, you could almost substitute that word relationship. And so like, as part of my story, I grew up in the church, if you like. And I, and I remember embracing this idea of relationship, not religion. But it was literally only two years ago, just over two years ago, where I first asked God a direct question. And prior to that, and I am answering a question, I'm getting there in a second, I promise. There's a roundabout <laughs> kind of way. So, but prior to that, I'd had the experience, because love, if you're going to love somebody and you're going to be in relationship with somebody, you need to get to know them. You need to have conversation with them. So I'd had this experience, for example, of reading the Bible and something leaping off the page at me. And so I knew that God spoke to me, but I never really expected to have dialogue with him, ask him questions and get answers. 
And so for me, I think a big part of what I'm doing now is helping people recognize that this love piece, you have a relationship relationship with your wife or you have, and you have a relationship relationship with your kids and your friends. You can have a relationship relationship with God. Abraham talked to God. Moses talked to God. We can talk to God. It's not exclusive to the people in the Old Testament. And we've got the advantage of the Holy Spirit, like living inside of us. And I didn't know this at the time when I was doing that weight loss course. Really, for me, love in that moment was just being accepted as I am. And yeah, knowing there was obviously room for growth or whatever, but like not feeling like I had to be anybody else other than who I was. So my quirks and my foibles and my eccentricities and the fact that I am very forgetful and I, I have to have lists and I've got systems now to help myself. Organize. So for me, love at that point was actually acceptance, I guess, being who I am. But actually it's moved on from there and developed more because now it's about, do you know what? If Jesus is your savior, you have Holy Spirit, you can have a conversation with God. And this should not be some mystical thing that's only for super holy people. This is for everybody. And so that's kind of where that love piece at for me now. And so like my whole business now, like is, okay, God, what are we doing today? Uh, you know, what does this look like? Like really actively, whereas before I was a Christian business owner because I was a Christian, I had a business. Now I'm like, it's to the point where if God says, oh, we're going to do this and this. Okay, I'll give you an example. There's a book that we're writing. He'd give me this idea in September and I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. And then he nudged me again. I'm like, yeah, okay, okay. But then last week he's like, you know, this book, we really want to get this done. I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. So you, I said, well, you've seen my calendar, God. You know what's up? It's nearly Christmas. You're going to have to help. Five o'clock this morning, I kid you not, I woke up wide awake my alarm was set for quarter past six i'm like i'm awake what are we gonna do now go and write the book i'm like okay then and so i did Mm -hmm. you know and so and i know that sounds like a funny way to answer that question of love but actually that's what came to mind as you asked that question is because really when you do relationship with your spouse or your kids you have that back and forth dialogue you explore stuff together but from that safe space of knowing that they love you and that they're not trying to trip you up that you can trust them I mean sometimes my kids are trying to trip me up they're teenagers let's be transparent (laughs) but you know I mean like that for me that relationship piece encapsulates really what that's about yeah. And it taps into this idea of love is bigger than we understand. Yeah. Like as you were talking, I felt like another way of fleshing this out is scripture practically is just ink on paper, mm. right? Mm. But for someone who has really experienced what that verse that says the word of God is living and active, mm. sharper than any double-edged sword, we, like, we know mm. that it is more than just ink on paper while simultaneously still being yeah. ink on paper. <laughs> and we can try to explain it but to someone who hasn't experienced the power of God's living word, yeah. like it's it's hard to really capture it. It's the same thing with explaining love for a spouse or a child. Someone who doesn't have children, yes. they can try to get an idea about what loving and they can say, oh, yeah, no, I would love my kids. Here, I, I think of it this way. Uh, before my wife and I had kids, my friends had a son that was born and I actually was living with them at the time briefly. And so I got to know him really close. I get ended up being his godfather. And my wife and I loved him. Yeah. Like just loved him g- deeply and genuinely. So much so that when my wife became pregnant with our first child, we were actually a little concerned. <laughs> what if we don't love our child as much as we love our godson? <laughs> and, and of course, like our child was born and suddenly there was this love for him that we just, yeah. we didn't see coming. And even recently, I was thinking about how illogical love is, mm. right? Because when you become a parent, you're not just committing to the good stuff, <laughs> the the warm feelings when your child hugs you. Since having children, I have touched more poop than I ever <laughs> have in my life. That was not my home, right? <laughs> yes. I've had to clean it off walls. I've had to like have it, you know what I mean? And like anybody who's not a parent is like, Ugh, yeah. just talking about people in the pot. Anybody who is a parent is like, yes. It's so true. Right? Like, so I willingly stepped into a space of having to deal with some of the grossest things in existence from people other than me. Yeah. And I am, I want to say I'm happy to do so. Maybe that's the wrong way to phrase it, but I am like, content, I'm maybe. Here. Yeah. I'm content. I'm content to be in that space because there is this love I have for my children. My children, my youngest was so defiant yesterday, like 
frustratingly defiant with a smile on his face. (laughs) I know in my head that he is not even three yet, but it was frustrating. And yet I still love him deeply. (laughs) Right. So what you're talking about is hard to capture. And yet the more we learn about it, the more we hear about it, the more we experience it, it's more beautiful than we could ever imagine. Mm -hmm. And you said earlier that when we learn to accept this love and to accept who God's made us to be, mm-hmm. there can be this profound healing that can go far beyond any treatments we can come up with. Yeah. So here's my next question for you. Why do we struggle to accept this? Why are we struggling to accept this beautiful thing, this miracle cure? What in the world? Yeah, so I think that this actually plays into a bigger piece, which again has been a... Okay, to answer your question, I think part of it is, I think it's enemy forces. I think Mm. our understanding of God and his love has historically been distorted. And so, for example, I did this course, again, it was a series of God incidences, but I did a theology course online through one of the churches in Las Vegas last year. And there was a module on church history. And I wasn't expecting much, I gotta be honest, because I'm like, I've sat in lots of very boring churches. I'm like, really? It was amazing, okay, because it was looking at, it went into lots of stuff, but the one of the pieces that kept sticking with me, and it comes up a lot when I'm talking to people, is the way that ancient Greek philosophy impacts our theology even today. So this idea, I don't know if you grew up in church, if you did, you might have come across the three omnis. Do you remember being taught about the omnis, Mm -hmm. right? Omnipresent, omnipotent, and omniscient. And this idea that God is all powerful and huge and mighty and far away and untouchable. Now he did speak the stars into existence, or seeing them into existence, as I like to imagine. He is incredible and powerful and mighty, but he's also closer than the air that you breathe. And this idea that God is huge and far away is actually brought to us in the church because of ancient Greek philosophy. It's a longer conversation for another time, but there's a guy who became a Christian who taught, and I won't name him because it's not fair to name names, he's dead now, but he, okay, I will name him actually because he's big, Augustine. We sometimes call him Mm. Saint Augustine, right? Saint Augustine learned ancient Greek philosophy, then became a Christian. He really struggled with this idea of God. For example, when Abraham chatted with him and said, oh, would you really smite this town for 50, 40, 30? He said, God's changing his mind. God doesn't change his mind. This is impossible. Mm. Ah, don't worry about it, said one of his friends who also grew up under this stuff. It's just a figure of speech. Augustine was the right person at the right time, or from the context of us, was the wrong person at the wrong time, became hugely influential. And as a result, even today, we sing songs about how huge God is, and he is. Don't misunderstand me. But like, for example, I think Genesis 17, I think it is, where God talks about I'm all powerful. A better translation of that, because Hebrew is a relational language, I'm all powerful in my love for you. I'm all powerful in my provision for you. And so to go back around and actually answer your question, I think part of the problem is that I'm sure the devil was having a party the day that that conversation happened with Augustine and his friend, because it it still plays out today. We're still unpicking, actually, how does God really want to be known by us? And that's the piece which bangs into stuff for so many people. Mm -hmm. I think that's a big sticking point. Because my my husband, at the time of recording, is on his own journey with God. And he won't mind me saying that. When we first met, I remember having a conversation. I told his sister that I believe God made the world. Oh, I can't believe you said that. That's ridiculous. Now he's like, well, actually, you know, the world is so big and mighty. Maybe there's something out there. So he's been on his own journey. But if he was to say to me, I don't believe in God, or anybody who says, I don't believe in God, tell me what God you don't believe in. Because I probably don't Mm. believe in that God either. And I think, so that, that picture of actually, what does it mean? And it reminded me of something that I was thinking when you were talking about the children analogy is actually, I think us as parents, it gives us a little picture of something we can hang on to of God's love. Mm -hmm. Even though we get it wrong, we don't do it right all the time. You know, those days when you're like, yeah, I did a good parenting thing today because it happens. Mm -hmm. We go, yeah, that was good. Like that's God to infinity. But then the other piece of that is then people then who have difficult relationships with their parents or their kids, they struggle with that analogy, of course. But I think there's an awful lot to unpack there yeah. that's impacted the love piece because it should be easy. Yeah. It should be so easy. Yeah. And I think you're right. Like I was, I was trying to find it and I can't find it, but somewhere in the Psalms, early in the Psalms, there's this beautiful passage that kind of captures what you're saying. I mean, it's talking about how big God is and he's thundering and he's riding on the clouds and like this just <laughs> mind blowingly huge thing that he is. Mm. And then there's this verse and it says, and then he stooped down and picked me up from the mire. Like, and I love the disparity between that. Like this all encompassing God 
who is then stooping down to pull me up out of the muck. Pull me, mm. not not us, me, yeah. little me, right? Oh, yeah. And I, I think you're right. Like when we don't have a healthy understanding of both the omnis of God mm. and also the authentic, specific love mm. of God, then it can be hard to know how to respond. Mm. <laughs> uh, this keeps coming up in conversation that sometimes we are not good at receiving things. We're not good at receiving gifts. Mm. You know, we're coming into the Christmas season and sometimes we don't struggle to receive gifts in that space because <laughs> there's an expectation yeah. that gifts are given. But outside mm. of that, like I struggle. Mm-hmm. If I've got 20 groceries outside mm-hmm. and someone asks, hey, do you want help? I'm like, oh, I got it. Now, like I struggle <laughs> to receive help. One time, it's a big God story, but God ended up sending my family and I to Hawaii oh, wow. to live for three months to do a discipleship training school. And we didn't have the money. We hadn't planned to do it. We spent the first few weeks really wrestling with receiving this gift. like Because mm. our life up to that point for about a decade had been really honed around and still is now serving in communities where there's high levels of poverty. And so it felt really wrong for us to be in a luxury place, like in Hawaii. Like we weren't, we were living in a very small space. We were doing ministry, but. But it was Hawaii. But it was Hawaii. (laughs) And and God was pressing on us. Like if, what if I want to give you this gift? You've just come from an excruciatingly hard season. What if I want you to have this gift? Do you really not want to receive this gift? And so I think there are a lot of reasons that even when it is clear that a gift is being offered, that we choose not to receive it. So mm. what have you seen like in your own life or in the lives of others of why we'll say, no, 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 not not me? I think there's layers to it, isn't it? I think part of it, and you alluded to it with your grocery story, is actually because I was immediately thinking of, I don't know if you do this, but like you try and carry all of the bags in one go so you don't have to do a second trip to the car, you know? But like we have this thing and and because of societal expectations, I suppose, it's guys more so than us women, you know, you're meant to be strong and independent. Uh, And I think... There's, there is, there's layers. I think part of it is a pride thing, you know, but it's drummed into us wrongly that we should be, for us, strong, independent women. You know, we don't need no man, all this stuff, you know, but we're meant to be. And actually, that's not what we were created for. We were not created to be independent from God. So I think some of it probably is and I don't mean to keep blaming the devil for everything, but I do think he he has his fingers in more pies than maybe we sort of like credit him for or uncredit him, whichever way it should be really. So I think sometimes it's that. It can also be, I guess, false humility as well, can't it? Because it's drummed into us. We like to misquote that this money is the root of all evil and all this, you know, we take bits of the Bible out of context. And so I think maybe part of it is of that. There's also the piece as well is actually, well, it's this idea that it's too good to be true. Like we have this cynicism, you know, like the good news is Christmas. Mm. You know, this should be the season where people should be more open to receiving Jesus. Look, this is gift. There's no catch. But we think someone's trying to catch us out. I think there's different reasons for it, really. Mm -hmm. But part of it, I think as well, I was reminded because literally just yesterday, I've got an online, it's called the Blue House, this online community. And one of the members, she said, I'm not doing Christmas cards this year. So I I bought you a coffee in virtual. I know her circumstances. And I felt like, oh, like you really didn't need to do that. And so part of me was like, well, I don't, I can't receive that. It was only like, it was a fiver. Like you're not talking like hundreds of pounds, but still felt a bit like you didn't need to do that. But then the flip side of this I'm reminded of is actually, we don't like it as kids, but actually giving is fun. And so actually when you say no and tell somebody that you won't receive that gift, Mm -hmm. you're depriving them of something that is a real joy to them in that moment. And generosity really is something that God has created, right? That he has placed in people. And you're right that in rejecting a gift, we can actually be removing someone's opportunity to live out something God has invited them to. You know, and you mentioned too, this idea of self-sufficiency, and that's where the whole story starts, right? Is you've got Adam and Eve living in this beautiful relationship, and then someone whispers to them, well, you could be self-sufficient. <laughs> like, yeah. If you eat this apple, then you're going to know everything yeah. you need to know. You, you'll be able to do what you want to do. And and I think you're right. Like There are so many things that can keep us from accepting gifts, from mm. pride to false humility to self-sufficiency to waiting for the other shoe to drop because we can't trust something would be that good. Mm. And then I think another one is that we don't believe that we actually deserve it. Yeah. You know, maybe yeah. God does love, but I'm not good enough yet. I, I need to get a little better so that then I can reach out yeah. to God or... God could never love me. 
because I know what I've done. Yeah. So what would you say to someone who's in that point who does not believe that they deserve love? If that's true, well, none of us really deserve love. You know, <laughs> yep. is actually the reality of that. None of us really deserve love. We're told God is love. And so you take the biggest, most expansive understanding of love and then multiply it. No, of course, none of us deserve it. But that's why it's a gift. That's the whole beauty and grace of all of it is no, we don't deserve it. But he loves us anyway. And yes, my encouragement would be actually all those mistakes you made. He knew you'd make those mistakes before you were born. I forget which Bible verse. It's somewhere in Ephesians, I think, where it talks about God's knowing exactly who you would be before you were ever. So he knew you. And I hate to break it to you. There's a whole load of other mistakes you're going to make yet. And guess what? (laughs) He's still going to carry on loving you. Mm -hmm. And so, no, none of us deserve it. But that's the beauty of the gift. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of the thoughts that just continues to rise up in my mind is that God's not trying to make us perfect. He's trying to make us his, Mm. right? Like he's inviting us not to be the best person to be fixed in all the ways. Like Mm. he knows the only way to wholeness Mm. and full life is to be in relationship with him. Yeah. But he also knows that he can't force that upon us because that's not love anymore. Yeah. And so he has to live in this tension Mm. of knowing what we were created for, knowing what we were designed for, knowing Mm. the fullness he has for us, not just in eternity, but right now to know all of this, to desire it for us. I think of Jesus Mm. outside of Jerusalem weeping because he's like, ah, like if you had only understood, like, ah. And so God is in this place of knowing, 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 and yet having to be in the tension of also simply inviting. Yeah. And it's up to us to decide whether we want to receive mm. this gift or not, whether we want to accept this love or not. And what's so beautiful about your story is, like you said earlier, you weren't even looking for God's love. <laughs> like, <laughs> and yet God was like, yeah. hey, guess what? Yeah, it's a total setup. Totally. And that's, <laughs> really the other, that's the other piece as well actually fascinates me is God always meets us where we're at. And so what over the years, the way that he's unpicked. And so like my picture and understanding of God's love today is different to my picture and understanding of God's love a decade ago. And as you get to know him more and you explore other stuff and the analogy that he gave me Oh, earlier this year is chemistry because my eldest daughter just started studying chemistry at university. She comes home with all this stuff and it goes straight over my head. Mm. I did A-level chemistry, but it's like, uh, but what he reminded me was when we first get to know him, we'll have this glimmer of God is love. It's like my youngest sitting in chemistry at the age of 14, learning that two hydrogen and one oxygen makes water. And that's true. It's that is true. And then as you get a bit older, you learn that there's these things called electrons and neutrons and protons. The fact that you learn this stuff doesn't make the H2O any less true. It's just you've got a bigger understanding of it. And then you get to realize, actually, there's a whole load of other stuff. And then you've got your university professor who's teaching my daughter, who's blowing my mind with this stuff that I've never heard of. He's not looking down on the little child of 12 or 13 who only understands H2O just because he's got all this understanding. And so the piece I keep getting reminded of is actually we get more awareness and deeper understanding of his love as we get to know him more. Okay, so I have a friend who loves to read and go really deep. And when she first got to know Jesus, she would send me these messages and they were like, I oh, they were excruciating because she's a studier, really deep. And I'm like, oh, but God met her where she was at. He met her through intense, deep, theological study which would totally turn me off and I would do my best God you have to help me with this one because he knew her and he loves her and each of us are on a journey and so my picture and the way he met me there you're quite right I wasn't looking for love I just wanted to get a bit thinner because you know perhaps I'd be a bit more loving lovely if I'm not quite so chubby but he met me where I was at and the really funny thing is this is an aside but actually this bible weight loss course was run I found afterwards by Calvinists and actually not that we're going to line people up and put them on a scale but I'm much more kind of Armenian if you're going to put me on a scale I ultimately take God at his word that he's going to love everybody into heaven ultimately whereas your Calvinists have got and so it's hilarious to me that not only did he meet me where I was at he used the theology which was so far removed from where I was at but it didn't matter because it's what I needed in that moment. And the same is true for everybody who's listening as well is actually God just needs your yes. 
He just needs you to, or even just a hello. To, you know, he doesn't need you to, like you say, doesn't need you to get your act together. If we had to get our act together before we could talk to God, mm-hmm. nobody would talk to God. You know, that's another lie from the enemy is that we have to get our act clean up. That's just nonsense. That's yeah. not true. You know, you you love your kids. You talked about like yeah. dirty nappies or diapers, as you Americans would like to say. <laughs> you, you know, you don't tell them, oh, actually, do you know what? I'll, I'll get to know you when you're 18 and you can sort of wipe your own bottom and all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. No, you wouldn't dream of doing that. It's all part of the relationship. Yeah. And I think that notion of God meets us where we are, we need to keep overemphasizing it, overemphasizing mm. it, because even when we hear it, we still don't want to believe it. Mm. Uh, it makes me think of the scene in Goodwill Hunting. I don't know if you've seen that. I have, yeah. But there's, there's a beautiful scene towards the end. Of, spoiler alert, fast forward <laughs> 10 seconds if you haven't seen the movie, but where Matt Damon's character has just wrestled with accepting. He blames himself and Robin Williams is basically saying to it, it's not your fault. It's mm. not yourself. Matt Damon's like, okay, thanks. Great. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. Robin Williams keeps repeating and he's like, okay, I heard you. Robin Williams keeps repeating. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. And then he starts mm-hmm. to get mad. He starts to fight and he gets to the point where he is so angry at Robin Williams until finally Robin Williams repeats it just enough yeah. that Matt Damon finally accepts this mm-hmm. reality. That was always true. Mm-hmm. And I think we're the same way. We could hear God loves us over and over and over, mm-hmm. but we'll brush it off. Yep. God loves me. And then mm-hmm. we're like, okay. Thanks. And then we start to get mad. Well, if God really loved me, then why is this like this? Why is this happening? And so I think it's worth repeating that God does love us and that God meets us where we are Mm. because there may be someone that right now feels like they are in the lowest place in their life. So therefore, they just don't have hope Mm. that God could love them and that they could ever get out. They may be the angriest at God they have ever been in their life. So Mm. how could we do anything together if I'm mad at him? Or maybe they're at the deepest level of doubt they've ever been in their life. Mm. And so I have to first believe in God before I can even step into the space, right? Like what Mm -hmm. we're saying is no, like wherever you are, whoever you are, whatever you're going through, God loves you. He will meet you where you are. And what I love about you bringing up water and H2O is the other piece that we can feel in this is understanding is so important to us. And Mm so we have to have to, have to, have to understand. We have to achieve higher levels of understanding. Mm. But here's the fun part. Yes. Is there a place for the university professor (laughs) on a theological level to deeply understand the love of God? Absolutely. Is there a place for us to like get to a place where we understand things more deeply? Yes. But is there also a place where someone who is at the start of that journey, or maybe never even progresses on that journey, Mm. do they get less love of God? And why I love that you use water is I've got water here that I've been drinking Water is accessible both to the university professor and the child Mm. who does not know anything about H's and twos and O's, Mm. who might not even be able to say the word. They can still experience water. And in the same way, Mm. the love of God is accessible both to the person who deeply understands it, like the Apostle Paul, and to the believer who barely understands it. They just know that there's something and they are willing to receive it. And that's all God needs, though. He doesn't need you to know it all. And that's the piece as well. A theme that keeps coming up a lot this year as I explore stuff for people is around this piece around trust. Because you're right, it's easy to go, oh, yeah, I know God loves me. But can I trust him? Do I really believe that? Because, and to be fair, there's stuff in the Bible that, you know, you read Job and you're like, eh, I don't want you to do a Job on me, God, you know, mm-hmm. but can I trust God? And this is where it is a lunacy to people, depending on where they're at, you know? And so for a, <laughs> I was invited onto a podcast with this guy. I haven't said yes yet. I haven't had a green light from Holy Spirit, but I was invited onto this particular podcast where this guy was brought up in a very staunch Christian family. And as a result, he's now an atheist and his podcast episodes really he invites people like me on to make them look like from my perspective make them look like idiots show to i've been on it have you oh no, I... <laughs> we'll, we'll talk offline yeah, more about it. But... but actually it was ended up being a great experience but oh. we'll talk more continue but, no, but, but what was fascinating to me because i did watch because i've he and i've exchanged a few emails and i have said uh, maybe at some point but right now i haven't had the green light from holy spirit but what my, my point was, there's two, there's a Jewish rabbi who's been on two episodes and him and this Jewish rabbi, because this Jewish rabbi is not in a place with God where, you know, we, you and I are at, he reads the Psalms and he evidenced this Psalm as proof that there were lots and lots of gods 
once upon a time and that the Hebrew God killed off all the other gods. I thought this is a bit strange. I picked up this Bible and my convenient, my study Bible at the bottom said, actually, it, lots of times gods was an analogy for kings and rulers. But it was an example of depending upon where you're at, mm -hmm. you can read something and it will seem like nonsense to one person. And you see what you're looking for, the way that our minds are wired. And so I read the Bible from the heart posture of God loves me. He is for me. He is good. I trust him. And guess what happens when I read bits that are challenging? I'm like, I don't get this bit, God. You're going to have to explain this to me because in this bit, you sound really grumpy. But I do that from a position of knowing that he loves me. Whereas somebody else is wanting to catch God out, guess what they'll see? But God doesn't need us to have our acts together. He doesn't need us to understand all of it. So for that person who has that brand new understanding, that's all they need. It is about relationship. I know we keep going back there. It is about relationship. That's what we were created for. I don't quite understand sometimes when we look back through history and some of the really big stuff like the Holocaust and, for example, all the, the bad stuff in history. I know that God's playing the long game. And so I go, okay, God, I don't really know what this game looks like because it, some of this stuff looks really bad. But I know that I can trust you and I know that you understand it all and you can see all of it. But for somebody who's right in rock bottom in that moment, depending upon where they're at with God, that is not going to wash. They're going to be like, no, no, you don't understand. Like you're talking about Christmas. My son has just died. Or you're talking about Christmas and whatever, you know. And for those people, all I can do is acknowledge the hurt. Because I love helping people smile. And whenever I talk about that sort of stuff, quite often I will also caveat that by saying, you know, this will work in this particular circumstances. But if, you know, deep trauma, all that sort of stuff, we have to acknowledge the pain. Uh, because there is so much hurt going on. And yet God is still there loving, even when we can't quite see all of it. Yeah. So I'm going to do something very unfair. I'm going <laughs> to ask you a question that, because we're short on time. Okay. But I felt a prompting from the Holy Spirit at the beginning okay. to ask this question. Okay. And it's going to be a question that you're like, are you kidding me? I can't answer this in just a few minutes. This is a whole episode. So oh, I want no. to affirm that you are right on this. <laughs> okay. Off of that, something that you have said a few times is you have acknowledged the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. You early on were like, oh, the Holy Spirit just prompted this in my mind. And <laughs> real quick, <laughs> where do you see the role of the Holy Spirit playing into all of this? Because there are some people that are like, the, the Holy what? What is the Holy Spirit? I don't understand. So we're not going to dive into all of that. But you clearly have this understanding of the Holy Spirit that it is actively playing a role, even in podcasts. So where does the Holy Spirit fill it into all of this? Well, I need to tell you a story then of the day that Holy Spirit said I could call him Sam. Mm. It's a good story. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three in one, Trinity. I see God the Father, Jesus and Holy Spirit or Papa Jesus and Sam, as I often refer to them. They are all God. The picture I see of it, like in the shack where you saw Jesus had nails in his hands and then he was talking to Father God, who, spoiler alert, if most people read the shack, is played by a woman, which is brilliant, also has nails in her hand. And so I see them all being equal. But I also recognize that some denominations and some people have a problem. They say, why don't you say the Holy Spirit? Also, why do you talk to Holy Spirit when actually we're told to pray to the Father? And it's just religious nonsense in my head. It's just stuff weighing us down. And so I started to have conversations with Holy Spirit because of a book that I read through a course I was on last year where it said, open your, it was a Christian book, open your journal, write down, Holy Spirit, what is on your heart right now? And so I did. And it was the first time, actually not the first time I asked him a question, that was the end of 2019, but it was the first time I journaled with God. And the instruction was, write down the first thing you hear. The first thing you hear will be God. The second thing you hear will be the devil, did God really say? The third thing you say will be your own doubts and insecurities. So no editing, just write it all down, pour it all out. And so for me, Holy Spirit is just part of everything that I do now, to the point where like, I'll be doing something and I'll forget, and I'll, well, thank you, Holy Spirit. In fact, I managed to freak out my husband one day where I was out for dinner with him like we've already acknowledged where he's on his own journey and I said something out loud to Holy Spirit and he was like whoa what's going on <laughs> um so but the Sam story so earlier on I think it was the end of last year I'd gone to bed I was at an early night went my journal I was moaning to God to Holy Spirit in particular I said look this is frustrating I said look there's loads of names for God the Father you know Abba Father and all this sort of stuff Jesus is Jesus Holy Spirit it's really impersonal like we're told by Jesus that you're our counselor our helper. Jesus told us that Holy Spirit would make things known to us. Holy Spirit, what kind of name is that? 
And I immediately heard in my head, you can call me Sam. I'm like, mm. Sam? I can't call you Sam. That's really disrespect. Oh, no, 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 I can't do that. Don't be so ridiculous. So I pulled out my phone like any good girl of the year 2021 would do. And I Googled names for Holy Spirit. And I got a great big long list of names that were very impersonal. I was like, oh, dear. And then again, you can call me Sam. No, 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 no. So then I Googled Welsh words for Holy Spirit and I couldn't pronounce any of them. Yeah. So finally, you can call me Sam. Okay, fine. Sam, are you sure? He said, Sam is short for Samuel. Look up what Samuel means. And when I looked up Samuel in the Bible, right, that's not true. I Googled it. My dad afterwards told me it's in the Bible. Samuel, it's Shem and the L part can mean either the name of God, God hears. And as soon as I read that, I was like, wow, God, you're amazing. Mm. And so Holy Spirit I, he's Sam. Uh, and I'd be quite transparent. I still sometimes don't call him Sam because it feels a little bit like, oh, it's a bit naughty. Mm-hmm. I offer that by way of example that for me, he is an equal part of the Godhead. I don't know if he's he because I'm told that actually, I think the original language didn't use pronouns because there wasn't a female pronoun, but that's another conversation for another day. Yeah. But he is, well, say he because that's our tradition, but like he's vital, as vital as, as air really. Yeah. Does that answer your question in not too many minutes? <laughs> it does. And there's so much more we can say. Because I think <laughs> we'll do that next time. <laughs> both, yeah, both of us would agree that there is moments where, where Sam interjected into this oh, conversation totally. in both ways we realized and ways we didn't. Yeah. But I will say, you know, you said Holy Spirit during the podcast. I think it would have been weird if you were like, oh, Sam just reminded yeah. me. I'm like, who's Sam? Is Sam your dog? Is Sam your husband? Yeah. Well, as we close up, I have two final things. Okay. The first is just really straightforward. If someone's like, oh, I want to know more about you here. Tell me more. (laughs) How can people connect with that, with you and with your content? I think the easiest thing I would encourage people to do is come and join the Blue House because I'm actually stepping away from social media at the end of this month. Mm. And I'm creating an online community and there's different levels. We've got different floors, but the ground floor is free for anybody and everybody who wants to join. And when you do that, you get to be in community. You get a space where you can build your faith, get to know other people, ask questions, explore conversation you get the holy spirit love notes you get to do community that's the easiest way it doesn't cost any money and to do that it's uia.com forward slash join but if people would rather like poke around the content you just go to uia.com the blog has some love notes on there there's a bit of podcasting stuff is probably the easiest answer to give you awesome and the final thing is just really simple is there anything else in your heart or mind that you want to share before we go the thing that just popped in my mind, given like I obviously don't know when this episode is going out, but it doesn't actually matter because we are at the time of recording, we are stepping into the Christmas season, which I think is joyful and beautiful and gorgeous. But we have to recognize that it also can sometimes be challenging. And so for anybody listening who at any point, whether it's during the Christmas season or any point, finds themselves a bit like nerked and niggled and a bit like, Urgh. I want to offer you a three word hack because I, I am often known as the irrepressible silver lining spotter. I do this without thinking now, but I can teach you to be a silver lining spotter too. Thanks to the way that God made your mind. The three words are, but at least. Mm. So imagine you're having your Christmas dinner and then you get up to pour yourself another glass of wine and you tip over the gravy. Oh, this is really annoying. Actually, that's a bit of an extreme example because it make an awful lot of mess, but we're going to go with it. Okay, <laughs> you acknowledge that the thing is messy. You acknowledge it's annoying. You get a paper towel and whatever, and then you say, but at least, and then you pause. And then your mind, obviously, and Holy Spirit will help you out as well. If you, but, but your mind likes to fill in the blanks. And so your mind will bring in. So we talked before we recorded about the time when I actually had this conversation whilst I was recording a podcast episode, my dog was sick on the carpet. That is an example. My dog was, if you're about to eat, pause. If you're not eating, (laughs) keep going. The dog was sick on the carpet. Ugh, that's annoying. It's a bit messy. But at least it was only foamy. It was no lumps. It was quite easy to clean up. It works for just about anything. Mm -hmm. With that caveat that I hinted about earlier on, it really works for those day-to-day frustrations. You cannot, when you're deep in the moment of big tragedy and big trauma, I'm not for one moment suggesting that you can, but at least your way through that. I don't mean that. Those lessons can maybe come through afterwards. This is really for those day-to-day, to to help you be a more delightful person in your family as you do Christmas, Mm -hmm. is what I offer you.
During the conversation, I reference what I have come to learn is Psalm 18, and it picks up in verse 6. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. The earth trembled and quaked, and the foundations of the mountains shook. They trembled because he was angry. Smoke rose from his nostrils. Consuming fire came from his mouth. Burning coals blazed out of it. He parted the heavens and came down. Dark clouds were under his feet. He mounted the cherubim and flew. He soared on the wings of the wind. He made darknesses covering his canopy around him, the dark rain clouds of the sky. Out of the brightness of his presence, clouds advanced with hailstones and bolts of lightning. The Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded. He shot his arrows and scattered the enemy. With great bolts of lightning, he routed them. The valleys of the sea were exposed, and the foundations of the earth laid bare at your rebuke, Lord, at the blast of breath from your nostrils. And then verse 16. He reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of the deep waters. That passage has always stood out to me as a powerful expression of what I'll mention during our conversation. That yes, God is big. God is powerful. God is omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent. But God also hears us, and he also reaches down and takes hold of us. This powerful God that could so easily dismiss us, so easily forget about us, hears us, sees us, and stoops to pick us up. And this is because he loves us. He doesn't love us because we deserve it, because we don't. But he loves us because that's who he is. And his love is not conditional to us, but is an extension of his actual character. How might healing come if we decide to trust that love? If we decide to say, God, my situations don't reflect it, but I am choosing to believe that you love me and I'm choosing to rest in that love. How might that trust in his love reshape how we understand our situations, our struggles, and our future? How might trusting his love change us to the core? This is a love that defies any definition we could give to that word that can come into our lives in such a way that we leave forever transformed. I could keep talking about it, but I think the most important thing I can say is what I've already said. God loves you. You, the one listening. God loves you. Right now, where you are is who you are and forever. And I want to invite you to do something that my spiritual father, Pastor Don Coleman, often invites people to do. If you're willing, as a physical expression of receiving, I want you to put your hands out. Put them out, palms up, like you're ready to receive a gift. And then when you're ready, say, God, I receive your love. It can be so hard for us to receive, especially something like God's love, which is so beyond our comprehension. But sometimes a simple act of faith, like putting your hands out to receive and saying, God, I receive your love, can do powerful things. So take a step to receive God's love today and then ask yourself, where did you see God? Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the Where Did You See God podcast. And I would love for your stories to be a part of it as well. So there are a number of ways that you can do that. You can check out our Facebook page at Where Did You See God podcast. You can go to anchor.fm slash where did you see God, or you can leave a brief voice message at 804-372-3836. I would love to hear your stories. And if the stories you've heard have encouraged you, uh, think of someone else who could be encouraged as well and share it with them. The music you've been listening to is You'll Walk, You'll Run by Urban Doxology. They are a solid group and you will love listening to the rest of the music. So check them out. And as always, as you go through your day, ask yourself, where did you see God?